The number anytime, write it down, 1-855-821-5900. Email help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't checked out, by the way, the TV show runs on Global TV and City, uh, CTV as well. Uh, Employment Hour and 30 on your weekend mornings. Check it out for uh, for more details. We are ready to go, my friend. Here we are back again for another edition of the Employment Hour. we got lots to talk about, uh, mistakes that employers make. And now we're going to talk about mistakes that uh, individuals make that compromise their legal rights. But first, stuff to get through. And that would be the uh, the week that was. What is going on? Hey, John. Well, you know, busy week in, uh, in Toronto, Ontario mm-hmm. here with sports, but also certainly busy at my office talking with a lot of people about workplace rights and employment law and trying to solve some problems and, and help some folks. So uh, I'm very privileged to be able to do that. And that's, that's great. Uh, so if you don't know what the heck this Employment Hour show is about, well, we talk about law. We talk about work law, employment law, things that bother you, maybe things that can cause you problems at work, your rights in the workplace. We help uh, de- demystify this area of law, and we start off every show by me talking about a couple situations that I saw come across my desk over the past week or so, uh, where I think there's some important lessons to be learned by everyone listening. So first situation, and this one really did make me shake my head because I I really think that employers should know better. But in this particular situation, I spoke with a a lady who had worked in a plant for a number of years, uh, and recently she was being harassed and mistreated by a a coworker. It was, you know, it wasn't anything, oh my God, horrible, but certainly unprofessional and inappropriate conduct. She did the right thing. She went to talk to the plant manager who said, I'll look into it and I'll deal with it. Well, he did not. He didn't do anything, and this happened again. She was still being harassed by the same worker, so she went back to the plant manager, and he said, I will deal with it. Thank you for telling me. Well, again, he <laughs> did not deal with it, didn't do anything. So this person, this lady, was obviously very upset and very stressed out and ended up speaking with her doctor, and he put her on a, on a stress leave, on a three-month stress leave. She went off on stress leave to feel to to kind of recuperate and feel better after being uh, subject to harassment in the workplace. And when she came back, her very first day, her very first hour, she's called into a meeting and terminated. Uh, no reason given, just you're out of here. And she is extremely upset now. She had dealt with harassment. The company didn't do anything. And on her first day back, she's fired. Uh, and she called me, obviously, extremely, extremely upset. And And there's a lot to unpack here. Number one, let's kind of go back to the harassment. Obviously, it's important to understand that an employee has a right to be free of harassment in the workplace. It's as simple as that. The company has an obligation to protect an employee. And this particular company, once they became aware that she's being harassed, they had to do something. They had to look into it and then fix the problem. They didn't. Right off the hop, that's illegal. Now, beyond that, she then goes on a medical leave and what do they do? They fire her? Clearly, to me, this was a situation where they thought, well, she's going to complain again. She's going to be unreliable. Right. She's going to maybe go off on another medical leave. Let's just let her go. That's completely illegal. Number one, you can't fire someone because they complained about harassment. Illegal. Can't do it. Number two, you cannot complain someone because they have a medical issue or because you think they're going to have another medical issue. That's a human rights violation. So this company did a number of things wrong, and really a company should know much, much better than this. They cannot treat an employee that way. They cannot ignore complaints about harassment. They cannot fire someone because they're on a stress leave 
illegal, illegal, illegal. So there's going to be significant consequences for this company, financial consequences. So I wanted our listeners to understand and know that the law does provide you protection. The law does impose obligations on your employer to deal with harassment to protect you. And if the employer breaches those obligations, there's going to be, John, significant consequences. one 821 5900 Anytime you want to get a hold of your member of the team at the firm, that is the way to do it. If you haven't checked it out yet, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to uh, that particular tool in just a little bit here. What else you got going on for the week that was? I spoke with a gentleman who, uh, for the past uh, four years or so, had uh, worked steadily from his home. The company was based out of the uh, the U.S., mm-hmm. And he dis- he's always worked from home and, and had no problem, you know, got paid well, was reporting to the uh, head, head office in the U.S. You know, once every few months, he'd have to travel into the U.S. to meet with his, uh, with his team there. But uh, beyond that, everything was fine. Well, recently, the company opened, opened a satellite office here in Ontario. And they told them, well, from now on, moving forward, we need you to be working out of that office. Uh, because now there's no need for you to work from home. You have to work from that office. And obviously, when you work from home, for those of us that, that may have done that before, work from home, you know that you pretty much structure your whole life around that. Everything is around that, you know, in terms of child scale responsibility, travel, all that is based around the fact that you're working from home. So he didn't want to start commuting to an office. He wanted to continue working from home. And he called me wanting to know, can they do that? Can they make me and what are my options? Well, because this is such a significant change in terms of employment, going from working from home to having to go to an office, that's clearly a constructive dismissal. It's a big deal to have to have to commute instead of working from home. So the fact that they've made him do that or are going to be making him do that would give him the option to treat his employment as being terminated. That's what we call a constructive dismissal. And then he gets his full severance. So his options ultimately are going to be he can start if he wants commuting to the new location or, of course, he can uh, decide, no, I'm not going to do that. This is a constructive dismissal. I'm going to get my severance. So for those of you working from home, you have the the power, you have the confidence you should have that uh, knowing that if the company decides to take that away from you, there is recourse, John. They can't just do that. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmenthour.com. We'll take our first short break of the show here, get right back into our topic at hand and get to the severance pay calculator as soon as we come back. Your emails as well as we roll on here on the employment hour on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. It is help at employmenthour.com. I mentioned it a couple of times. Let's get into it. The severance pay calculator. Well, severancepaycalculator.com is a tool that I created only because I I saw in my job every day people accepting so much less severance than what they're owed. I saw people getting the wrong information. I saw people regretting it for years and years, knowing that they should have gotten a certain amount of severance and then they accepted less. So I wanted to do something about that. So we started the show to inform people. Uh, we started a TV show, but I wanted to have that information also accessible so that anyone can find out exactly and accurately how much severance they're owed. So I created severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And the, all it does is it tells you how much you're owed. You answer three questions about your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and then you are done. It's going to tell you whether you're owed two-month severance or 24-month severance or anything else so that you have that information. And you don't have to have been let go from your job to use it. You can use it if you're curious or if you're worried 
or if you want to make sure that your friend or family member are not being taken advantage of. Just go to severancepaycalculator.com. Remember, it's anonymous. It's free. Uh, it's easy, easy to use. There's really nothing to it. But it's, it's so important because it could be the difference between you accepting, I don't know, eight months severance, which is what you're owed, for example, or accepting eight weeks severance, which is what the company may offer you. So use severancepaycalculator.com. And if you have uh, any questions, you just reach out to me as well. Yeah, totally. Anonymous doesn't require a credit card. takes but a few seconds, and there's also an employer mode for that as well, which is handy. Companies can use it to find out how much they're owed. Uh, there's no place to input a credit card number, even if you wanted to. So just check it out. It's free. It takes seconds. There's really no excuse not to use it. You know, last week we were talking about mistakes employers make. Now we're going to uh, switch tracks and talk about mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. Start getting through some of these. Uh, they don't get advice when they should uh, when they should with respect to workplace problems. Mistakes that employees make, mistakes yeah. that state that individuals make that compromise their rights. I see these every day. So I want to talk about those situations that if you if you engage in these mistakes, if you make these mistakes, you're going to compromise your rights. You're going to find out you've given up something. So let, let's make sure that we don't do these. And, and the first one has to do with timing. Timing is everything when it comes to your rights, when it comes to the law, and, and certainly when it comes to employment law. So first of all, we understand that there's a two-year limitation period to, to pursue legal matters. So if you lost your job, for example, you have two years and only two years to pursue those entitlements. Now, it's not two years in a day or about two years. It's exactly two years. And you and I, John, on this show and on our TV show, have talked to how many people over the years that contact us only because they, they heard us and, and they've accepted their offer or that's been more than two years and, you know, I have to give them the bad news. Yeah. And that's an awful situation. So you have to get advice as soon as possible. But also when it comes to things such as constructive dismissal, if your company is changing the terms of your employment, you have to do something about it right away. You can't continue working and six months later realize, oh, I didn't like that. I should have gotten some legal advice. So that's always, uh, it's going to be too late at that point. You've given up your rights. So, and the same thing with harassment. We talked about harassment in the beginning of the show. Don't suffer and, and, and have to go on stress leaves and medical leaves because you're a victim of harassment. Talk to me or get some legal advice from someone else if you don't like me in, right away so we can find out how to address those problems. So timing is everything. People always, I see every day, compromising their rights, giving up their rights because they wait too long to make a call. We're talking about the mistakes that employers make or individuals make that compromise their legal rights. Another one is make assumptions about legal rights or get information off the wrong sources. Oh, that's that's part of the reason why we started this show, right? That is exactly why we started this oh. show. And uh, for some reason, people don't make assumptions about, I don't know, criminal law. They don't make assumptions yeah. about real estate law. But when it comes to employment law, workplace rights, people make assumptions all the time. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's the law. Or I'm pretty sure that's all I'm owed. I see this all the time. People take that as a given that they know, maybe because they read something or maybe because they, they heard something or, or spoke to someone that uh, they thought was reliable. So don't do that. You have to understand the source of the information that you get your advice from. Don't make assumptions about your rights. Unless you know for a fact, because you spoke with a lawyer, or you put, you picked up a law book and you read it in the book of law, hmm. then don't ever, ever make assumptions about your legal rights. Employees assume they get a week's pay per year of service, or that the company has the, the right to, to relocate them, or that the company can uh, not pay vacation pay, whatever. 
there it is. People make assumptions all the time, and oftentimes those assumptions are wrong, and that also feeds into the timing. By the time you figure out, oh, wait a second, I was wrong in my assumptions, it may be too late to do anything about it. So don't compromise your legal rights, get advice, and please, please don't make assumptions, and certainly don't go on message boards to get legal advice. Don't talk, talk to your Uncle Bob who may have the best intentions but is not uh, knowledgeable. Uh, get advice from the right sources. You know, and the problem is you talk to people, especially about severance and what you're old. They say, you know, oh, no, it's a week or two with absolute conviction. Like, don't, well, he's got to be right. He's, 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 he's so forthright and forthcoming with his information, but it's wrong. That's the problem. Well, because they believe that. Probably their parents before them believe that and yeah. their grandparents believe <laughs> that. And, you know, that, that belief kind of has gone through the family for generations. Uh, it doesn't make it true. And, and you know, obviously, as, as our regular listeners know, certainly when it comes to severance, it's not a week's pay per year service or two weeks. It's a lot more, and it's based on age, position, and length of employment. So please don't make assumptions and be careful where you get your advice from. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. If you have not used it yet, check it out, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll, in a few seconds, tell you exactly what your severance should be. No, not the Uncle Bob, not the guy over the fence. This is the calculator you want to use, severancepaycalculator.com. Locks More Employment Hour is on the way right here on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900, the number to get a hold of Lior at the firm anytime. It is help at employmenthour.com as well. If you haven't uh, used it or at least checked it out just for fun, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what your severance should be, the monetary amount, the correct amount. And if you uh, continue or want to continue with that point and contact the firm, there is a button at the bottom you can do so. Otherwise, you disappear anonymous like Kaiser Soze just disappear into the night. Uh, Lots to get through here, my brother. We're talking about the mistakes individuals make when it comes to compromising their legal rights in the workplace and with their job. They don't confirm a termination in writing. That's a big one. That is big. Now, for many people, when you are let go from your job, you're going to get a letter. And the letter is saying, we're letting you go, we're terminating your employment, whatever it is, and that's fine. Obviously, if you receive that, then you don't need to confirm anything in writing because it's already in writing. But here's the key. In situations where you, you've been let go from your job and it's not in writing, maybe it happened in person and maybe, or maybe it was over the phone. Uh, and believe me, John, these things happen all the time. If that's happened, what I want you to do is I want you to immediately, as soon as possible, send an email, uh, to the, to the person letting you go confirming, confirming that you told me today that I'm being let go or that you've terminated my employment or whatever. You told me not to come back in anymore. Whatever it is you want to, because here's the thing. We're going to then pursue your severance, right? And you know what I've seen happen many times? When a company now realizes, holy cow, we owe this person a year's severance, they may say, uh, no, no, he resigned. Right. He really resigned. And because there's no termination letter, it becomes a he said, she said type of a situation. We say the person was let go. They say the person resigned. So how do we avoid that? We avoid that very simply by sending an email confirming the conversation thing. Confirming you told me today not to come in. Confirming you told me that you were letting me go. Whatever it is, do that. Once you do that, it's all you need. So don't compromise your legal rights by being silent if you've been terminated not in writing. If the termination is not in writing, you put it in writing, and you put it in writing as soon as possible. And if you're not sure what it should say, who to send it to, how to send it, call me. Don't wait on it. Call me as soon as possible. Again, 
A classic way to compromise entitlements is not confirming that termination. Going to keep giving you that number as well, one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior. Use that number, at least keep it with you. If you need it in the future, talking about the mistakes that individuals make compromising their legal rights, resign out of frustration without proper paperwork. I've had enough. I'm out of here. Goodbye. And they slam the door. There they go. Yes. You know, if, if you have had enough and you've resigned uh, because of that, that's okay. In fact, it could be a constructive dismissal, but we need to lay the foundation, okay, for that. You can't just tell your boss, I'm out of here. In your mind, you're saying I'm out of here because I'm frustrated that they reduced my pay. I'm frustrated that I'm being harassed, whatever it is. No. If we're going to resign because of something that happened, so if we're resigning because of something the company did or because of something that happened at work, we need to paper that. So number one, what we want to do is tell the company initially, here's the problem, I want, I want you to fix it. But then when it comes time to resign, I want you to say, that you, I'm only resigning because of this. I'm resigning because there was harassment and you didn't uh, deal with it. Or I'm resigning because you changed my job or changed my pay. You have to have that in writing, okay? It's important because we don't want after the fact to say, oh, you know when I resigned a month ago or whatever it is, I only resigned because of this. For it to be more credible, you want to put something in writing at the time. So paper it, paper it, paper it. The best thing I will say, though, when it comes to resignation, if you're frustrated and you're thinking about leaving and resigning, okay, but please, before you do that, call me. Let's talk about how to do that legally. Let's talk about what you'd be owed. And let's talk about how we maximize any legal entitlements that you may have. If you're listening to us right now, I don't want anyone resigning before you're speaking to me first. It's extremely, extremely important. You can use the phone number, very simple, one 821 5900 or help at employmenthour.com. Another mistake they make, and we talked about it, we, we hammered home every week, and that is not using the severance calculator. Yeah, I have to come back to it. Uh, And and the reason why it's such a mistake is because it's so darn easy to use, okay? And it's so easy, it's so accessible. There's no excuse. If you're listening to us or if you've ever listened to us before uh, or, or you know people that have lost their job, there's no reason you or those folks are not using the severance calculator. And and the main reason people don't use it, uh, I'm talking about people that know about it, is because they still think, well, it's probably fine what they're offering me. I don't need to use the severance calculator. Or it's a week per year, so what's the severance calculator going to teach me, that it's a week per year? Well, if it was a week per year and if it was that obvious, I wouldn't have bothered creating the severance calculator. So it's a huge mistake people make. There's this tool that's free, that's accessible, that's easy to use, and you don't use it? Holy cow. (sighs) Big, big, big mistake. So if you lost your job, as soon as you come out of that meeting, uh, you know, you may first thing you might want to do is call your significant other and tell them the news. But the second thing you do, without exception, you grab your phone, you grab your laptop, you go to severancepaycalculator.com, and you find out what you're actually owed. Okay, that's the easiest way to know what you're owed. The easiest way to know if what they've offered you is good or bad. Spoiler alert, it's probably bad. Yeah. Uh, so no excuse, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to one more before we take a short break here, talking about the mistakes that individuals you and I make that compromise our legal rights and getting upset about a bad performance review or reviews, but hey, you don't do anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we've talked about this before, John, uh, and I've talked to many, many people about that. Uh, it, it's one thing if you get a negative performance review and, and you say, you know what, it's, it's kind of warranted, it, it, it's legitimate, 
I'm not happy, but it is what it is. Okay, if it's it's a fair review, then you don't need to do anything other than, of course, uh, do your best to improve. But if you don't agree with it, if you think that's wrong, if it's now you're upset because you feel that someone is, is lying or, or misrepresenting what happened, you have to do something about it. What you have to do, of course, is say so. If it's not accurate, say so, and say so in writing. If it's false, say so. If you think it's uh, you, what happened is being misrepresented, say so. If there's another version of events, say so and say so in writing. And the reason why that's so important is because your silence is the same as acceptance. So you get a bad performance review, you don't say anything, the law considers you to essentially have said that you've accepted it, you've agreed with it. So don't agree with something if it's not something that it should be agreed to. If it's not legitimate, if it's not right, it's not accurate, say so, say so in writing. Uh, that's a surefire way to compromise your rights is to be silent in the face of a bad performance review. We'll get to a couple more of these after a short break. If, if any of these uh, you strike a familiar chord with you or if you thought of any on your own, feel free anytime to email me or with those concerns, we'll, uh, we'll deal with them. Help at employmenthour.com. And the phone line also works as well, 1-855-821-5900. See Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900, the number help at employmenthour.com. Through email, we will get to some of your emails here in just a couple minutes. And severancepaycalculator.com, that is a tool you find out exactly what your severance should be. It takes you a couple seconds to go through it. Very simple. Use it on your uh, your iPad, your tablet, your desktop, your phone. Doesn't matter. You can use it all over. There's absolutely no cost. It's anonymous. There's a contact button on the bottom as well. Uh, those emails coming up here in just a bit, but we're going to finish talking about uh, what we have been talking about for the last couple segments, Lior. That is the mistakes that individuals make compromising their legal rights. The next one up is sign employment agreements or other documents without having them properly reviewed. This can uh, turn around and bite you right in the rear end years later, right? Oh, gosh. It, it could turn around and bite you uh, for for many in many ways yeah. and, and to cost you a lot of money in doing that. So it's extremely important. Workplace documents are important, okay? Whether it's an employment agreement, a policy, what have you, it's an important document. And by the way, it could be a negative performance review or a performance improvement plan. Anything that you're asked to sign at work impacts your legal rights, impacts your legal entitlements. So once you understand that, you know, you have to understand what you're signing. You can't sign something that impacts your legal rights without knowing exactly what it means and how it impacts you. So that's why you have to have to get it properly reviewed. That's one thing. If you're signing a piece of paper that's a one line saying uh, your salary is increased from $15 an hour to $16 an hour, that's cool. No problem. You don't need that reviewed. You can sign it and, and that's terrific. But anything else, anything else that, that's unclear, anything that's probably longer than a paragraph, you have to have it reviewed. Uh, employment agreements are, are a classic example. An employment agreement may have terms that could be very problematic, terms that limit your future severance, that almost eliminate your future severance, terms that allow the company to change your job, to relocate you, to lay you off temporarily, uh, to uh, change your compensation. So all those things can be in an employment agreement and often are. So you have to understand what you're signing. You have to have it reviewed so that you know how to respond to the company. Uh, if a company wants you to sign an agreement while you're already working, that's bad news. You have to have that reviewed. If a company is putting you on a performance improvement plan and, and you don't know what that means and what the consequences of that is, you have to have it reviewed. A classic, big, uh, very uh, unfortunate way where you can give up your rights is signing documents 
that give up those rights without even realizing it. So if your, your company wants you to sign something, you don't. You take the time to, to understand it. You take the time to get proper advice because if you don't, there could be bad and negative consequences. And at that point, you may be stuck and may not be able to do anything about it. That number, one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Or one more point on this one, that is the uh, the mistakes you make as individuals, we make as individuals that compromise our legal rights. Don't stay in touch with their employer while they're off on a disability leave, be it long or short, right? Absolutely. So when you're off on a leave, what kind of medical leave, short-term disability, long-term disability, the company generally has to keep your job. You're still employed. But to do that, the company needs to understand that you still want to be employed. So if you're out of touch, you're not responding, you've been off for months and months, maybe even years, there's no contact, no communications, I don't even know if you're alive or, or dead, then the company may say, well, this person clearly has abandoned their job. They're clearly not employed anymore, so they're gone. We're not going to have a job for them. So again, you may not have wanted that. You just didn't realize that you should be in touch with the company. So what do you need to do? Well, it's very simple, and it's not that onerous. You don't need to, to speak with your company every day, every week, even every month. But every once in a while, send them a note. It could be as simple as an email saying, Hey, I'm still alive, just uh, uh, getting my treatment and hoping to get better. Maybe even every once in a while, get him an, give them an update from your doctor. The, the note can simply say that uh, you're still in the doctor's care and you're going to be reviewed again in three months. Whatever it is, be in communication with them. It could take, it take minutes, you know, not longer than that. But by doing that, you're maintaining the company's obligation to keep you employed. You're maintaining your right to a job and potentially a right to future severance. So it's very important. I see people compromising their rights all the time because they don't stay in touch with the company. The company assumes, uh, understandably, that these people have abandoned their job. So if you don't want to abandon your job, if you want to maintain your job while you're off on a disability leave, that's fine. Just stay in touch with the company every once in a while. And if you're not sure how to do that or what to say or how often to say, Call me and let's talk about it. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. We've got a couple of minutes to go here, so we'll squeeze in a, a quick email. Doreen writes in, says, worked as a hairdresser full-time, five years, get paid a fixed weekly salary. That doesn't change. I was let go and the salon owner said that I was an independent, <laughs> I was an independent contractor, so I wasn't entitled to severance. Is that right? And does it make a difference that I was paid uh, HST? Well, I think your chuckle there, John, yeah. probably says everything uh, that we need to know on this. And you're, you're absolutely right to chuckle here because if she had a regular job, you know, got a, got a steady pay, et cetera, she's an employee. And, and I've seen this often with, with hairdressers, you know, people that work in a hair salon, that they're considered independent contractors. Well, guess what? They're not. In most cases, if you go there and you have a, a job and kind of fixed hours, et cetera, you are an employee. That's all you are, which means... A few things, but one of the things that means is if the salon at some point lets you go, you're owed severance the same way as every other employee. And I know the next question always is, well, wait a second, I pay my own taxes. Uh, They don't withhold any taxes or they don't put me on benefits. None of that matters, whether you're on benefits or not, who pays your taxes, none of that changes what the law decides or what the law considers. Uh, So this person, based on the description, and I've seen this often with hairdressers, is likely an employee. And if you're not sure if you're an employee or a contractor, call me. And certainly if you've been let go, uh, you're not sure if you should be getting severance. Again, another spoiler alert, you are owed severance. Mm -hmm. Call me.
1-855-821-5900 is that number. If you haven't caught the TV show, uh, Employment Hour and 30, it happens on your weekend mornings on Global TV and CTV as well. Email is help at employmenthour.com. Job security, we will unpack that topic after we take a short break right here on the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 is the number we keep uh, giving out to you to write down and keep anytime you want to get a hold of Lee or a member of the team at the firm. That is the number to use. It is help at employmenthour.com. Wondering what your severance should be, the correct dollar amount, simple to find out. Don't ask a buddy. Don't go to the uh, Employment Standards Act. Don't go to the Labor Board. Just go to severancepaycalculator.com. That is your best and truest resource for that. Job security, let's get into this. Uh, what is job security? Why is it important? Well, you know, obviously, John, when we have a job, uh, that's going to impact our life, right? So if we, oh, I just got a, a new job, I'm happy with the pay. Well, wait a second, maybe I can afford that house that I wanted to buy, or maybe I can afford that house, or uh, now I'm going to put my my kids in university. We'll structure our lives around that. Well, what happens if that job goes away? Uh, you know, and we bought that house or that 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 car, and, and we have to pay for those things. Uh, so this idea of job security is the, the idea that if it's not just about having a job, it's about keeping a job and knowing that we're not necessarily just going to be let go for, for any reason. Now, the problem here in, in Canada is that a company does have a right to let you go at any time and pretty much for any reason. So it's difficult to talk about job security. That said, there are things that you could do to, to minimize the likelihood of being let go. So, and by doing that, you increase your job security. And that's what we want to talk about in the next few minutes is how do we actually go about maximizing our security and minimizing the chances that we are just going to be let go uh, unilaterally. So how does an employer make a decision as to whose employment they're going to terminate or not? So, uh, you know, companies, you know, large or small companies, when they, they have to let someone go, they're going to look at a few factors. Uh, and one of them is going to be, you know, who is the person that at this point we need the least? You know, what what role do we not need? So who can we let go? But they're also going to look at what what are the costs of termination? Who's going to cost us the most money to let go? Who's going to cost us the least amount of money to let go? And the chances are that the people that cost them the least amount of money to let go are going to be higher on the top of the list. So if you're going to cost them more money, if your your severance entitlements are going to be more than someone else's, there's a likelihood that that other person is going to be let go because the company is going to want to pay as little severance as possible. So remember, it's also about a cost and who's going to be uh, who's going to be more expensive to be terminated. Right, that makes a lot more sense. Is it always that way though, or is it just a matter of someone they don't like? <laughs> well, sometimes it is that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, a, a, a rational HR person is going to look at costs of termination. Uh, and, you know, if John and I are working at the same company, you and I, John, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to cost them $50,000 in severance to terminate. You're going to cost them uh, $20,000 in severance. All things being equal, they're probably going to let you go because 20000 is better for them than 50000 right? Is there a way that an employee can, uh, how do I say this, increase the likelihood of having said job security? Well, then how do you make it more expensive to, right. to let you go? Well, the best way is not to sign an employment agreement that limits your severance. So if you and I are both working at the same company, let's even say we started on the same day, mm-hmm. uh, but you signed an employment agreement that limits your severance, and I didn't. I was smart enough to negotiate it out of it or to eliminate it. So now we've both been working there for five years, 
and the company has to decide who we're going to let go. John, who signed an employment agreement that limits severance, or Lior, who did not. Well, wait a second. John's going to cost us five weeks severance because he limited his entitlements. Lior's going to cost us eight months of severance. Wait a second. All things being equal, who are we going to let go? Well, in this example, they're probably going to let go of John yep. because it's it's cheaper. So the best way to increase job security is not to make it easier to let you go, not to uh, make it cheaper to let you go, and it comes down to the employment agreement, as we were saying earlier. You have to understand what you're signing. You have to not sign something, if you can avoid it, that limits your future severance, because if you do that, you really don't have job security. The company can let you go at any time, pay you almost nothing, and that essentially means you have no job security. Bad thing. And, and that's a way to increase it. What else should an employee consider that might ensure the likelihood of that security? Well, it also comes down to, to uh, employment agreements, by the way. So if you've been hired to a certain position and a certain pay, that's great. But what happens if you also sign an agreement that says we can change your job or change your pay? Well, then you don't have a sec- security because today I'm employed as a plant manager making $80,000. But if the company wants to to change that tomorrow and make me a line worker and pay me $30,000, well, they can do that if I gave them the right to do that in an employment agreement. So essentially it means I don't have any job security. So the best way to maintain your job security is to not agree to terms when you start a job that limit that security or that eliminate that security. Terms that uh, mean no severance. Terms that give the company the right to change your, your job to give the company the right to change your pay. All of those things are bad. And if you can eliminate those, eliminate those or negotiate those out of there, you've significantly increased the chances of having job security. And we've often said, we've echoed many times in the show, that when it comes to that employment agreement, less is more, right? One pager is better than a 100 pager. Because in one page, you're not going, the employer's not going to be able to have a bunch of terms there that are problematic. They're going to easily be able to do that in 10 pages. So when you're starting a new job, again, from the employee's perspective, less is more. A handshake is better than an employment agreement. A one-page employment agreement is better than a 10-page employment agreement. 10 pages is better than 100. You get the idea. So less is more when it comes to employment agreements. But no matter what, if you're asked to sign an employment agreement, Understand what you're signing. Don't just focus on the salary. Don't just focus on vacation. Your job security def- depends on it. Your, your, your family's livelihood depends on it. So be very careful and understand what you're signing. And when in doubt, always call you 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com and severancepaycalculator.com as well. We'll wrap up our last uh, few minutes here after a short break with a bunch of emails as we continue Employment Hour on Global News Radio. The phone number anytime, get a hold of Lior and the firm, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to one here. Saul says, I work as a payroll clerk and have to work extra hours to get the job done, but my employer insists that I should get the job done on time and that he won't pay overtime. Can I get overtime and can the employer say that it just doesn't, I wasn't efficient with my time? I don't deserve it. This is a very common question that I get from both employers and employees. The idea being simple. The employee worked the overtime. The company didn't want them to or didn't think that they should. So do they get paid for overtime? Well, the answer almost always is yes. The person gets paid for overtime even if the overtime was not requested by the company. And frankly, even if the company said, don't work it. The bottom line is if you worked the overtime hours, and it was legitimate. In other words, you weren't just twiddling your thumbs, you had to do the job, 
then you have to get paid for it. It doesn't matter if the company asked you to do it. Or it doesn't matter what the company's rules are. If you worked it, you have to pay for it. Now, there's other problems. If you work overtime that you were not supposed to work, the company may discipline you and say, you've, you, you've breached our policies. We're going to pay you, but that's still a breach of a policy, so we're going to warn you. And if you do this more, maybe, who knows, we'll have to consider letting you go. Right. But the bottom line is, if you work the extra hours and it's legitimate and you actually were there, you have to get paid. And the fact that someone else may have been able to do the work without overtime hours, it doesn't change the reality that, again, you work it, you got to get paid for it. And remember, overtime is paid here in Ontario if you work more than 44 hours a week. Anything over 44 hours gets paid a time and a half. doesn't matter if you're on salary or hourly. Both are the same. It is severancepaycalculator.com to find out exactly what your severance should be. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Sean, an email says, my severance letter says that if I find another job, the employer will stop paying me severance and give me half of what is owed or what's outstanding. Is this right? Is that legal? Well, when a company lets a person go and, and there's a severance package, a severance offer, it could be done one of two ways. It can either be Uh, where the money is guaranteed, no matter what, you get this X amount of money. Mm -hmm. Or it could be by what we call continuance, which means we'll pay you over time, but if you find another job, we'll give you only half of what's outstanding. So the money can either be guaranteed or not guaranteed. Now, while there's, generally speaking, the company does have some discretion as to how to do it, those things are negotiable. If you did sign a severance agreement, then it says that if you find another job, they cut you off, then that's exactly what's going to happen. So you want to be very careful before you sign a severance offer that says that, uh, especially if the amount that they're paying you is inadequate, like most of them. So this is something that we negotiate. Most resolutions, most settlements are going to be on a lump sum basis without any strings attached. So again, reason 2,455 as to why you should get some advice if you lose your job. I guess lump sum is good. I mean, the only, I guess the only caveat to that would be, you know, if depending on what time of year you get that lump sum, it could be a little brutal when it comes to the CRA. But I mean, if you got a job on the horizon and you've got a lump sum cash and you go next door the next day and get a new job, you are uh, generally sailing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, the fact that you may pay more on taxes in some situations now, that that's still going to all even out on the wash when it comes time to file your taxes. So the company may have to withhold more now, but you're going to get it back uh, when come tax time if right. you've overpaid. So you know, when it comes to taxes, it really does even out all of it at the end of the day. Uh, it's only a question of does the company withhold now and you get it back later or they withhold mm-hmm. now less and you don't get it back later. It's going to all even out. The email is help at employmenthour.com. Barry writes in, says, I received notice of termination, but this was extended three times before I was finally let go for real. Is it appropriate for the employer to extend the notice of termination like that? And I've seen this happen a number of times. The company first says you're going to be let go March 15th, and then they say, no, no, it's going to be May 7th, and then say, actually, sorry, it's going to be June 5th. And Stressful. Around man. and around we go. Yeah. Well, the problem with that is this. When a company gives you notice, what's the purpose of this notice? The purpose of the notice is to give you an exact time for, for you to know how long you have to get your, your affairs in order. How long do you have to find another job? So if I'm giving you two months, you know you have two months to, to try to find another job. Hopefully you will. But if I keep extending it and extending it, well, then you're not going to really think I need to look for a job. They'll probably extend it again. That certainty that you need to have in your uh, your mind is not going to be there. So our courts have said is if you keep extending the notice, 
you, you lose, if you're the employer, you lose the ability to rely on that notice. So you may have given the person eight months notice and you, you know, first it was two months and another two months, et cetera, et cetera. Well, because you've extended it, it's as if you've given the employee no notice whatsoever. So from, from uh, I think it was Barry that just emailed us, yep. uh, in his situation, the company looks like they would be considered as having given him no notice. So when he isn't uh, finally let go, they're going to own proper and full severance because that notice actually won't count. Is there a, do they, does the employer have a little leeway how many times they can extend a notice or they can't do it once? Yeah, no, they can. Usually once you go beyond uh, beyond uh, the first extension, once you're into the second extension and beyond, it's considered at that point to be, okay, you know, unclear or uncertain. That first extension, they're not going to have a problem. Once you get into the second extension, you have a big problem. Third extension, forget about it. Uh, that certainty is going to be gone and the notice won't count. So yeah, one extension they can get away with it. anything more than that, it's a problem. And again, all that time that occurs during the extensions, that, that goes towards your severance as well, right? Well, if, if it's one extension, absolutely. Again, if yeah. it's more than one extension, then none of it counts, which is better for the employee, right. which means the employee is going to get severance. Because listen, all things being equal, I'm sure most people, most of us would rather get paid severance, not have to work, than get notice instead of that severance and actually have to go to work every day. So that could easily be good for the employee if that notice does not count. Again, our uh, TV show happens on uh, the weekend, Saturday and Sunday mornings on Global TV and CTV as well. Contact is very simple in that regard. You want to get an email sent, it is help at employmenthour.com. The phone number, one 855 to get a hold of Lior, member of the uh, very capable and excellent team at the law firm in that regard. And if you haven't used it yet, just to even try it, even if you don't need it, maybe you got your spidey senses going off that something might be coming down the pike as far as your... Job being uh, being ended. It is severancepaycalculator.com. Just takes a couple, a few seconds to go through the entire program. It's free. It's anonymous. And the number at the bottom is exactly how it should be. Any discrepancy or uh, a little gun shy of what you think the result should be, make a phone call or there's a contact bottom uh, button at the bottom of the uh, severance pay calculator as well. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio.